Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane with the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast here. And today I'm thrilled to bring Zach Brandon onto the podcast as our guest. Zach is the mental skills coordinator for the Arizona Diamondbacks, where he uses his passion for mental performance to help some of baseball's best athletes, best players, best coaches reach their maximum potential. Now, prior to his current role in professional baseball, Zach served as a mental conditioning coach at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. And while there, he focused on mental conditioning in baseball, basketball, tennis, and track and field. So he's well-versed. He's also an avid golfer, and he also holds a master's degree in kinesiology from the, and I can only say the because I have the same from Cal State Fullerton University, where he studied under the great Dr. Ken Revisa. He's also got a bachelor's degree in psychology from Linfield College. Zach Brandon, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Likewise, Brian. One, appreciate the invite. And two, I'm really glad we recorded that intro. One of the best intros I've gotten. So thank you. Other than you were a little over the top on the golf side of things, but that's okay. Listeners, they don't know what they don't know. It's a work in progress, right? It's always under construction. It's never built, always under construction, you know? And, you you know, Zach, I got to say, man, you're, let's get right out, right to it out of the shoot. Would you share your Instagram, your Twitter, your LinkedIn handles? Because I don't follow anybody, but I follow you on there because you put out some tremendous stuff I want to dive into. So first of all, first thing, call to action for our listeners. Make sure you engage and follow Zach on his social media platforms. Where can they get you? Yes. Um, Twitter MVP underscore, uh, mindset is the best is probably the one I'm most active on. You can, uh, LinkedIn as well. Just my name, type that in, you should be able to find it and then, uh, do a little bit on Instagram and it's uh, MVP underscore mind. So anything MVP mindset, uh, you should be able to find me. It's awesome. And, and Zach, again, man, a lot of the videos and things that I retweet, things that I download and use with my clients, I'm getting some stuff that you're posting. So I first want to publicly thank you for that. And I also want to start with, you know, a quote you recently posted uh, on Twitter from Joe Madden. And obviously Joe and Ken Revisa go back to, to the 80s when Joe was a hitting coach in the Angels organization. And then Joe, when he becomes the manager with the Rays and with the Cubs, has Revisa with him in both organizations. So obviously both of us have an affinity and a, and a love for Joe Madden. And one, one of the quotes that he posted, uh, he says, if you're not doing mental performance, you're not trying to get better. Would you talk to us about kind of the tipping point for you in your life where you said, hey, I want to be a mental performance coach. And how did you get into this? Uh, so I was a psychology major. And as I was going through in, in uh, college, I realized there's not a whole lot you can do with a psychology degree. So that's probably where it really started. Um but I, I took a sports psych class and that was the moment for me where I realized, oh, wow, this is something that not only I can benefit from, because at the time I was playing college baseball, but it was also something that uh, there were people out there doing this work like yourself on a daily basis. And that was really inspiring. And from that kind of point forward, I, I was really passionate and it kind of put all my chips in and trying to learn as much as I can. I, I know we both talk a lot about just learning and growing and just trying to absorb as much as I can from people in the field who like some of our mentors who've kind of helped pave the way for us to be able to do this. So that's, I, I think in one, on one, uh, from one lens that has really been an inspiration. I also think 
I often say that I think my dad was probably my first mental coach. Now he wouldn't have realized that at the time, but I, I, I often think back as I was growing up, there was several times where he'd talk about, you know, being calm, cool, collected under pressure and, and kind of being stoic. And those were things that I really carried with me as a player. And so I think in many ways, when I took kind of what I grew up hearing, as well as once I started to learn some of these principles and skills that we talk about with athletes, I started to see the benefit. I started to see that it's not just the physical ability that helps somebody reach their full potential, but it's really the mind. And the mind is really what influences how close we get to that potential and how consistently we can be there. So for me, I think you blend those two things together and and then you add some years on top of that. And, and here I am now and, and really grateful that I get to do what I do on a daily basis. You mentioned closing, closing the gap on your potential. And um, obviously we both studied under Ken Revisa, the first, I always call them the first two pioneers in the mental game of baseball, Ken Revisa and Harvey Dorfman. And I had a connection to Harvey. I was living in Vermont at the time. Harvey used to be a girls basketball coach and English teacher at Burn Burton Academy in Vermont. And one of the guys who was an athletic director actually uh, had, had known Harvey, right? So one of my, one of the co-ADs in the state. So him and I, this guy, Tim Brown, him and I fly down to Brevard County, North Carolina and spend a day with Harvey. And, you know, the backstory on that was this. So I, I had a chance to be on XM radio one time on the MLB network. And before I go on, I'm like, Hey, who have you guys had on here? Well, we've had Revisa, we had Harvey Dorfman. And I'm like, bingo. Hey, I lost Harvey's number. I haven't talked to him. I never talked to the guy in my life. Never had his number. I'm like, I lost Harvey's number, man. I'd love to, I'd love to reach back out to him. Can you give me a cell? So they give me a cell. I sit on it for three years. And then I am at an AD meeting and this guy, Tim Brown comes up to me and he says, Hey, Brian, do you, do you know, do you know Harvey? I'm like, well, I don't know him, but I got his number. I know who he is. And he's like, oh, he was my high school basketball coach. Boom. There's my end. So Tim and I go down to see Harvey. Right. And I remember Harvey when I asked him, I said, what do you know now you wish you knew when you were just kind of getting started in the mental performance? Right. And he said, here's the, he goes, this is how you maximize potential. This is how you close the gap from like where people are to where they want to be. So it ties back to what you just said. And he said, awareness, strategy, action. He goes, you got to build awareness. You just said people don't know what they don't know, right? So we build awareness. We give them strategies, things to do. They put the strategies into action. They close the gap from where they are to where they want to be. So Zach, let's talk about mental performance strategies. Because the thing I love whenever time we get together is you, you start educate me on the things you're doing with the Diamondbacks and what you're doing to help your players maximize their potential. What are some of those top strategies that you feel like you use in your mental performance work? I've spent some time kind of really reflecting on this a little bit over time. And what I've kind of gotten to a point now is I would say I really break it down into three kind of tiers, if you will. Right. I love Greek mythology. And as we know from our time with Ken, like he shares the story of Sisyphus, which uh, if you don't know it, I highly, highly encourage you check it out. But I think any listener uh, who tunes into you regularly, I, I would hope they've heard it at some point. I'm sure they have. But the other person I really kind of pull from is uh, Plato used to talk about mind, body and spirit. Right. And this idea that I, I, I really kind of say that my approach is a blend of those three things. And when you look at the mind, for example, for me, it's attention, energy and thoughts. It's how do we optimize those three things? And that's, I would say, a huge point of the work that I do, particularly in the baseball setting, because as we know, you hear things like play one pitch at a time. You hear things like control the controllables, uh, the acronym WIN, what's important now. 
a, a thread amongst all of those things is about how do you direct your attention when it matters and, and have it on the right thing at the right time. Same thing when it comes to energy, you know, our emotions that we have, I don't care what emotion you're experiencing, that's energy that you can channel and you can merge with it, right? Like if you watch, uh, I have three dogs, so I often try to make some uh, comparisons to my dogs. I know you got a couple as well. If you watch a dog, when they're all of a sudden in a fearful state, sometimes they run towards it. As human beings, we stop breathing. All of a sudden, we don't merge with that energy, whereas dogs are really good at like going right into it and they channel it. So uh, I try to help players optimize their energy and then also try to optimize their thoughts as well. So make sure they're, uh, I, I try to get away from, per, at least personally, positive versus kind of negative thoughts per se. I, I talk more about, you know, productive, unproductive or helpful versus unhelpful thoughts, uh, just because I think sometimes you can have negative thoughts that actually can can be helpful to you and, and vice versa, right? You can have positive thoughts that can derail you a bit in, in certain situations. So that's, that's one facet of it. And then there's the body piece, which for me, uh, I, I like to talk about when you step on the field, you're not all of a sudden going to get any stronger in that given moment. You're not going to get faster. You're not going to throw harder. What you've got is what you've got. And as we heard a lot from, from Ken is, you know, you give a hundred percent of what you got, regardless of what that is. So for me, I think that comes down to things like acceptance, things like belief and trust. Uh, so that's the body element is whatever your body is when you step on step into a game setting, uh, it's accepting and learning how to trust that that's going to be enough on that given day. And then the last bit is spirit. So if you look at spirit, uh, it's, it's the Latin root for to breathe. And what we think about how important the breath is, is fuel for us. For me, that comes down to mission, which I know you talk a lot about and values, knowing, having clear purpose for, for where you're trying to go and, and what it might help you get there. So, uh, that's, you kind of take those, those three, uh, lack of a better way to say it, components, and you you blend them together. That for me is probably the bulk of the work that I do. Kind of falls into those categories. Love that. I love. I love how you've kind of created a framework and a process, right? Of the three the three piece approach, three part approach is we're going to go after training the mind, training the body, training the spirit. And I think that's one piece, Zach. I want to pick your brain on here. Is one of the things I think I've always struggled with with the mental game. And I know Ken, for all of his greatness, one of the things that you could say he wasn't was maybe the most organized, right? And and the most process in the sense of like, here, here's, here's the structure we follow. Like his structure was, there isn't structure in the sense of, he's like, we're not, we're not making cookies here. There isn't one process for everybody. We're making champions and everything was individual based and it was beautiful. And I think the more I, I, I am around it, organizations like you with the Diamondbacks and schools and universities that, that I'm working with at the college and high school level is like, they, they're looking for some structure because they're the ones who have to implement it. You know, when I'm not there, they're the ones who have to kind of know, okay, what's the start and the end to this. And is that something that you have kind of created over time? And what's your thoughts on kind of putting structure to a mental game? Not that it's a cookie cutter or treating everyone the same way, same strategies, but, but definitely having a, a process of a roadmap of kind of where we're trying to go. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I really like what you said there in terms of it. It's not necessarily that it's cookie cutter, right? Like I think so often I'll reference that uh, mental performance work isn't paint by numbers. You know, it's not that simple, right? Just keep, you know, follow the lines, follow the numbers and, uh, it, it's not quite that simple per se. And yet I also think to your point, having a, a guiding framework, having some, a foundation 
is certainly really important. And, and you kind of touched on it there. I guess for me, I kind of start with the end in mind. I, I like to ask coaches anytime we start, hey, you know, six months from now, at the end of this season, our work together, uh, what, do, what do you want our players to develop in? Like, what are the things, what are the uh, characteristics that you want them to grow? And maybe it's usually they're always going to say confidence. Confidence is usually pretty high on that list. You're going to hear things like what you mentioned earlier, self-awareness. You'll hear things like composure, uh, you know, having a growth mindset, being a good self-evaluator. You're going to hear a variety of different things. Great. That now helps paint a picture for the vision, right? Where, where are we trying to go? I think for me, the process that you're, you're alluding to is, okay, well, what do we do to get there, right? And each of those things, there's going to be, there's not a, a one-size-fits-all set of skills that are, that are going to encompass all of that in most cases. For us, it's figuring out what's, what are the things that we can do uh, to kind of grow along the way. And so, you know, just to maybe name a couple, like I think about composure, for example, you know, for us, that's kind of like, optimizing that, that those thoughts and energy and that attention so you can perform under pressure. Well, what goes into that one, there's focus. So we can do some focus training. We can do some things to help you figure out what do you need to be attending to. And uh, again, we talk about routines in baseball, right? How do you master that 15, 20 seconds between pitches? I know we talk a lot about that. Uh, how do you manage your energy level too? You know, but you got a starting pitcher, for example, who, feels as though they like to listen to the, and I'm sharing this example because this was me in college. I would be blasting EDM music and I'd be getting myself all amped up. And then I'd go out there and by the third inning, I'm gassed. I got nothing left. And I, I learned that there's obviously I think more to it than just my music selection, but I also had to learn that I didn't perform at this level of, you know, you take a scale of one to 10. I didn't perform at that high intensity level, like a Max Scherzer or someone of that nature. For me, I had to kind of calm myself down. So same thing with our athletes to perform under pressure, trying to help them figure out where are you at on that spectrum? And more, maybe importantly, with that awareness that you mentioned at the beginning, it's okay. Once you know where you're at, also, what do you do to get there if you're not there? How do you bring yourself down? How do you bring yourself up? So for me now, all of a sudden, if I, we start with composure, but there's, there's different avenues we take to develop those things. So for me, that's kind of, I guess, where my approach is and, and kind of how I try to create a framework around mental performance. You know, I think what I'm hearing you say there is it's like a lot about state management, right? And then when you're playing 162 games at the major league level, you ain't going to feel good all the time. You know, and, and how do you how do you first learn that state where you're not hammering the EDM music or having a bang or two to get you ready to go before the game, and then next thing you know you're having that crash, right? So how do I how do I manage the state? Well, let me ask you this from from a training standpoint, right? How do you work with how do you work with players to get them to find out what their ideal performance state is in the sense of like, where did that, like you said, you're coming in at like a level 10 and by the third inning you crash. How do you get them to identify where their, their ideal performance state is? Sure. One of the characteristics that I think I really admire in practitioners who I see in our field are those who can ask great questions. And that's something I think, I think we both learned a lot from Ken and some of our other mentors. And so for me, that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind is asking really purposeful questions. And I think it starts too with helping people reflect on prior successes. One, one I don't know if you see it in your experiences with athletes, but 
I often see athletes to uh, the successes that they have wins and uh, their wins, their victories, their accomplishments, they become check boxes, right? They get it, they check the box and they move on to the next one. Whereas we hear a lot like, you know, learn from failure. One of my, my least favorite quotes is um, you either win or you learn. Personally, I feel like win or lose, you learn, right? Yeah. Like you should be learning from both. And so I think that's one thing is let's reflect on some of your past successes, times when you've been at your best. And let's try to recreate that. Let's try to recreate, you know, who was there, who was present, what did it feel like? What emotion did you maybe have not only during that game, but leading up to it? Uh, let's figure out where was your focus? Maybe what were some of the thoughts on your mind? So trying to, you know, paint this picture and recreate this experience. One of my, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Harvey Dorfman talks about how the mind is this freely accept, uh, accessible and always available playing field. You can go to it as often as you want. And I think the same thing goes, whether you're recreating or you're creating a new experience or you're recreating a prior one. So I think to kind of figure out where that state is, let's go back to some of those best performances and let's try to unpack where you felt like you were. And, and then from there, let's, let's figure out how do we build that into a routine that you can do consistently to get to that state. Mm, man, so much goodness there. And, and as you're talking, I, I like to play off of something I picked up from another one of my mentors, Dr. Rob Gilbert, who's a professor at Montclair state, New Jersey. We've had on the podcast twice uh, runs success hotline where every day since January 22nd, 1992, he's been leaving a three minute message on a machine. You call him, listen, you talk about consistency. It's incredible. And Gilbert talks about the success cycle. He says, prepare, perform, reflect. And if you think back to when you were an athlete or athletes or coaches that are listening to this, where do we spend most of our time prepare? And then we play perform, but rarely do we reflect. I mean, as I look at like college football, they'll reflect. They'll play a game on Saturday. They'll watch for two, three hours, the film on Sunday, and then they're on to the next one. So like three hours out of their 168 in the week are on reflection, you know, maybe a little bit more if they're looking at practice film, but like in the sport, like baseball, where you play every day, rarely, rarely, if ever, do I hear about players like who will use a journal and reflect or press pause and reflect. And I think that reflection is often where the learning comes from. Would you agree with that? I really like that. I think to maybe use another example. So I use composure there. So let's talk about like awareness, because I know that's a big part of what we talk about. I think reflection absolutely is one of the tools, one of the strategies that we can use to become more self-aware. It helps us become a more accurate self-evaluator because sometimes, unfortunately, people often are very unreliable narrators of their experiences so that's, that's one of the challenges we face and helping people become more objective in a sense is, is a challenge. But I think what you also re, uh, allude to is in baseball, everyone talks about routines. We talk about pregame routines. We talk about night before routines. We talk about in-game routines. One that doesn't get talked about as much as the post-game routine, right? What are you doing after an outing to to reflect on those experiences? Uh, what you know, are you taking time to not only reflect on the things that you might have done well physically or technically or tactically, but what are you doing? What did you do mentally that might have helped you? Right, taking time to think about 
uh, cues that might have helped get you to where you needed to be in your focus. Um, again, reflecting on that state that you might have been in, that energy level, all of those things. I think that reflection piece that you're referencing, that's uh, I, I see there's a, a ripe opportunity for that in those post-game routines. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I always remember Ken, and this is I'll go back here. And I remember, so I'm, I'm going to, I, I'm at the University of Vermont. I'm in November of my junior year. No, November of my senior year. And I fly out to Cal State Fullerton to observe the program. Ken wanted to meet me to come out there and see if I was going to like it coming from a small town in Massachusetts and Vermont to Southern California. And I remember I'm supposed to stay with a grad student when I'm there and the grad student gets food poisoning or gets sick. So Ken's like, well, looks like you're staying with me. We're going to Redondo. We start driving from campus up to Redondo beach and we go down into the bunker in his office, right at the house. And on the fax machine, so this is back in two, yeah, two th- November, 2000 on the fax machine Z there's a feedback sheet that just came in from Jim Abbott who wrote the forward to heads up baseball a pitcher who had one hand played at Michigan and, and Jim Abbott had just thrown a no hitter in the big leagues. And he's like, Brian, here, take a look at this. This is what we have pitchers do afterwards. And I'm like, Whoa, post-game breakdown. And it was like, how did you experience your signal lights? Did you get into reds and what did you do to release them? You know, I think this feedback sheet is actually in heads up baseball. You know, how did you do it going one pitch at a time? How did you do it managing your state? Um, you know, how did you handle success? How did you handle failure? But when he kind of gives you a, a reflection piece and that was the first time I had ever heard someone really do like a post game breakdown or a debrief, you know, after a game outside of, Hey, we're in the outfield. And if you guys played good, great. And if you didn't, you suck and we'll see you tomorrow, you know? And, um, is that something that you, that you do now in your role as a mental performance coach with the diamondbacks, where maybe you'll sit down with players and help them learn how to self-reflect after a game and get that accurate reflection? Yeah, it is something, I think we use it kind of case by case with, with guys, you know, the guys who are, are into that, or we feel as though through a conversation with them, we feel like they might benefit from it. I, I think there's a couple of things that were brought up there that I really like. One is, uh, kind of customizing it for the individual. You know, I think part of that reflection process can be really meaningful if you have, I'm sure there's definitely standard questions that can be helpful in that reflection process, but also asking things that maybe are very specific. We have um, uh, one of our players that for him, one of the things that he wants to evaluate after an outing is on a scale of one to 10, how well did he compete? one of the things that we've tried to do is we've also tried to define what compete means for him. And, and then what that then does is I think as, as coaches, as leaders, as mental performance folks, it now equips us with a a tool where we can ask more purposeful questions again. So I love the scaling questions that, you know, the scale of one to 10 and not because necessarily I'm curious. I am curious what their first number is, but what I'm really interested in is the opportunity that we have to ask some of the follow-ups. Okay. You said you, you competed out of seven out of 10 today. Well, what makes you choose a seven? Uh, how come you chose a seven instead of a four and now, um, or what would it take for you to go from a seven to an eight? And now guys start to not only, I think, become more aware of what helps them compete or whatever it is that you're having them reflect on, but they're also telling you what they feel like they need to get from A to B, to get from, to level up basically in that category. 
And, and I found that to be really helpful too uh, with the reflection is, is asking some of those numerical questions and, and really trying to break it down with guys. And I think what that does is it almost gives, it almost gives an awareness, you know, and I remember Ken, Ken would say, he'd say, you got to, you got to learn your learner in the sense of if I'm working with an athlete and say, Hey, how are things going? And they say, great. Well, for some people, when they say great, what they really mean is nine out of 10 other people, when they say great, they mean a three out of 10. He's like, so great isn't great for everybody. You got to find out what their scale is, you know? And it's like, if someone's, how's your day going, man, I'm dominating the day best it's ever been. Like for me, that's a nine. How are things going, man? It's awesome. That's like a three, you know, but it's like, cause it's never going to get less than that, you know, in the sense of like, it's never going to, how's your day going shitty, probably not going to say that at some point because you know that and that starts to manifest. Right. But in the terms of like learning your learner and helping them put a number to it. And then the continue of the thing, the thing that you keep coming back to Zach, that I really, really love. And it's been a reminder for me that I, I, I need to make this more intentional and get back to it is the power of questions and continuing to ask, to uncover would you talk a bit more about the power of question asking and how you use that as a mental performance coach? Because I think that's so good. Sure, sure. I, I guess this has come probably through uh, failures more than anything. So we talked about reflecting on successes. I think uh, it's also me being really or trying to be really intentional with questions has also come from, I think, attempts to come in and immediately just give, you know, I think as, as practitioners, we get so excited because we know that what we're talking about, the tools and principles, how valuable they are. We, we, we've seen it firsthand. And so you get into a room and you get, so I'd get so excited to share all of those things. And what I felt as though sometimes is it, I wouldn't get to the heart for some people. It wasn't always hitting home the way I'd hoped it would, with certain individuals. And so for me, what I found is uh, the questions have helped help me be more purposeful in identifying, helping people become more self-aware and then two, allowing them to tell me where they want to go. Right. We're, we're kind of like the guide, the, the athlete is dry. The performer is driving the car mm-hmm. and I can point out some things along the way, some really cool stuff, but they're ultimately going to determine if we go there, how long we stay there, uh, and and all the above beyond that. So I think the questions kind of help do that to a certain extent. Uh, I've I've heard people say that uh, you know sometimes it's more effective or it's better to ask the right question than to have the right answer. I guess for me that's something that I've tried to work on uh, personally, and so. That I think is one thing. And I think the last thing I'll maybe share to it as well is I use questions a lot because we're in the business of trying to help people uh, usually change, right? We're oftentimes working with people that are having a difficult time uh, changing their behaviors, trying to uh, do things more productively or, or develop more healthy habits, ways of thinking, all of those different things. The tricky part is life, uh, like the common thread in the basic fabric of life is change. Yet people do not like to change. And I think a big part of that is they want to, but they don't like the challenge of changing. And what we can do through questions, I think, is we can start to unpack what's maybe the resistance, what is holding someone back from changing and and then them supplying the the how, if you will, of how we get there. And then I think that opens the door for us. As we know, there's so many great tools and principles that we can help people with. 
that now opens the door for us to, to kind of go in. And I don't think that's the only way to do it, but I, I at least know for me, that's something that I remember vividly watching Ken do is just ask really good questions where he'd ask something so simple and it just would hit me straight in the face where it was, it seemed as though he was able to bring concepts to life and speak in color with questions. And that I really admired. It's better to ask the right question than to have the right answer. So good. And I think for a lot of young, shit, I don't even say young. I mean, that hit me between the eyes is I think for a lot of mental performance coaches, there's a, they think they have to have the answer. Like they come to you and you have the answer. And this is where I think I struggle in baseball sometimes <laughs> because of experience, right. And haven't been in it for so long and with Ken and the Tata Tonga over 900 guys that have gone on to play pro baseball and just that shared volume of experience. Right. Yeah. And the guys who I like to associate with guys like you, like Zach Sorensen, guys who are in the, in it, like it's, it's, it's a big part of my life. It's what I like to do. It's the books I read, yeah. you know? And, and I feel like you have as a coach, and I'm saying this to myself, I'm coaching myself here, but I think this is valuable for everybody is that you may have the answers. You may have seen it a hundred times before you may have the experience, but it doesn't matter to that individual it matters to that individual is them, you guiding them to get to that discovery point. And if you can, if they might, if you can ask the right question and get them to the answer that, you know, you probably could have given them 25 minutes ago, does that get them a level of awareness and ownership where they then take it and they will use that answer much more than if you had given it to them? What do you think about sure. that? I, I, I do, you know, as you were, as you were maybe talking, I had this image in my mind. So, uh, for those listening, they may not know this, but our first encounter, we, we went for a hike, right? And and I and I know I, I follow on social media. I know that you're you're way more active than I am. You're doing Ironmans, you're doing marathons, you're doing triathlons, you're doing all these things. And so leading into the hike, you don't know this, but I was like freaking out. I'm like, gosh, he's gonna want to sprint up this mountain, you know? And I'm and I was not. I was like, oh, this is gonna be interesting. So we start going up this mountain and, and thankfully the pace was, was okay. Like I was able to follow along. We, we walked up it, but that whole way up, you were just peppering question after question. And, and that was something that it really, it really took me aback too, because, you know, I think I've been able to kind of follow some of the work that you've done, the people that you've influenced. And I know that your reach has been really far reaching uh, not just in the, the mental performance in baseball space, but really just across mental performance. And so I was really eager to go on this hike because I was ready to grill you with questions. And, and this whole way up, I'm out of breath, not just because we're going on a hike, but I'm having to do all the talking here because you just keep asking. And so I, I share that more because it was, it was a really cool moment to just see, uh, allow – what I felt like is I was excited to be able to hike with you and spend time with you to learn from somebody who has been doing this work for a really long time, but you allow that other person to kind of be the expert on themselves. And, and you, you allow that other, myself to share my story. And I think as human beings, we love to share. That's all we really have are the, our stories of our experiences. And so I, I, I say that one, just because I feel like, you, 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 at least in my experience, this is something that you do well. And, um, I think you're right that there's also this level of when an athlete is able to, um, 
give share their own solution of what they think there's more autonomy and and we know that from a motivation standpoint that's one of the things that can really help drive people is when they feel like they have a choice when they have agency over their lives and i think questions help tap into that interesting man well i'm glad you mentioned that cuz I, I you know that's uh that makes me feel feel like at least okay so so maybe i am asking questions that's good like sometimes i think sometimes i think as coaches we do things we're not aware we're doing them. And if you are not aware you're doing them, I don't think you can be as intentional about doing it. And to me, if there's one word that has stuck out to me, maybe in the last three or four years, it would be intentionality, you know, and just being intentional with your time, intentional with what you do, what you don't do. And if anything coming off of this podcast, I think Zach is, is I will be more intentional about asking questions in my coaching and just in my life. Um, asking questions of myself too. And something I wanted to share with you since the last time we saw each other, right. I think at the beginning of the pandemic was I started keeping a journal and, you know, and Ken used to say all the time, I remember as a student, he'd say, Hey, you got to keep a journal, have your athletes keep a performance journal. And I never did. Cause I never knew what to write about. Right. It's like, am I, am I, you know, the high school student who's di- writing a diary and I don't want anyone to see it or like, what am I doing? And, you know, we talked earlier about frameworks and I started to do a little journaling every morning and the thing I journal about is I do I do a after action review, a term I picked up from Doug Chadwick, another Titan, where I write down a start, stop, continue, right? So based off of my behavior yesterday, what do I got to start? What do I got to stop? What do I got to continue? Then I write down what are three wins from the day? What are three gratitudes for the day? What's my most important task? What's my one word focus that I'm committing to right, right then at that time? And then I'll take notes on success hotline and then anything else that I want to jot down, I do. But I feel like having done that in the pandemic has been my ability to finally press pause and reflect on my day. So right now I would say that's one of the best things that I'm doing for my own mental performance and development. What are some of the things that you Zach Brandon do to keep you sharp, keep you stoic, keep you growing? You know, what are some of the tools that maybe you do that strategies that you use that you could share with our listeners? They might be able to take and use. Sure. I I think, um, one, I have not always been this way, but over the last few years, I've really tried to be intentional with, with reading. Like, I think that's something that I've found a lot of benefit in where there are, uh, there are so many times where I'll have read something and then it just organically comes up in a conversation without me prompting or without me trying to even guide it to that, which has been really cool, you know, and I can, we have, not everybody is going to be an avid reader, but we have athletes, we have coaches that we work with where sometimes they enjoy, enjoy reading. And now it's, it's created this really nice uh, database, if you will, of resources where I can be like, Hey, you're interested in X. You should check out this book or you're interested in why go check out this book. I think that's been one. And I think the other thing that has really hit home is I think in our profession, uh, at least in the, at the professional level, what I've found is how important it is to have range in skill set and knowledge. So it's as a mental performance person, again, being really passionate about what we do, I do enjoy reading uh, things related to sports psychology and trying to increase the depth of knowledge that I have in our discipline. At the same time, I've also found that there's a lot of other disciplines, there's a lot of other fields to pull from that I think we can take uh, lessons learned and, and principles and apply in our work. So I've found a lot of benefit from exploring things like uh, pedagogy and, and kind of how to, how to coach, how to teach applying that to coaching coaches in a sense and trying to 
help work with our coaches uh, to help athletes. That's been one, been really diving in a little bit more to like leadership development and, and things like IO psychology and just a range of different things. Like I just enjoy exploring other disciplines. And I think I read this in a recent book and it was exploring leaders. And it said the difference between the good versus great leaders. uh, One of which is the great leaders spend way more time outside of their discipline than in comparison. They like to go out not only and learn, you know, and read books and articles and all those things, but they like to engage with people. And I think that's been one of the coolest things that I think you and I both have been afforded in our field is the chance to meet a lot of really cool people across a whole host of things. And I think as you start to ask those people those questions and learn about the context they're in, you start to see how much of it really applies or translates to to baseball or translates to mental performance. So uh, I, I think I come back to reading and just being willing to kind of really branch out to beyond just the mental performance stuff. Interesting. And I, you know, to echo kind of that, I think, you know, obviously when we get started in the field of mental performance um, and you kind of got, you know, thrown into the fire IMG, because that's, that's like the ideal place, at least in my perspective for an internship, because there's so many athletes there and there's such a good curriculum already being run down there and really, really good opportunity. And, you know, my start was just straight baseball. Like I went to Fullerton to be a baseball coach, fell in love with what Ken was teaching. And then my first probably 10, 15 teams ever worked with were college baseball. And then as you, as I picked up a UFC fighter in Montreal named George St. Pierre, and then you pick up a, 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 a PBR calf roper and you pick up figure skaters and you pick up, um, lacrosse and softball, and volleyball and different sports. Gymnastics has been a big one. You know, I, I, and I know Ken used to do a two ton with Dick Wolf and Fullerton gymnastics and, and being able to step into some other arenas that I've never been in and learning some of the tools that they use, like in gymnastics, visualization is very common of visualizing the routine, mental rehearsal, very common and taking that. And that's kind of like where the shadow bullpen almost birthed from, right. Is taking that from different sports and trying to bring that into baseball and say, Hey, let's try and see how this fits. And I think the more you get out and get into other, other disciplines, like you're saying, I think that helps you bring more value as a, as a mental performance coach. And I think for the, for the coaches or the mental performance coaches listening to this podcast, we're in a pandemic. People are not creating positions. They're going away. So if you want to be more valuable to an organization, bring more value. How do you bring more value? You become more valuable. How do you become more valuable? You expand your network of knowledge and your ability to present that knowledge. I love Zach that you're talking about pedagogy, man, and how, teaching how to teach, you know, and going back in some of those, it's just the concept of being more valuable, expanding your bandwidth. I mean, the three things that every single performer on the planet is going to do, they're going to sleep, they're going to eat, and they're going to have a brain. So if you want to offer tremendous value, learn about sleep science, learn about nutrition, learn about mental performance because everyone who you're going to work with athlete corporate America doesn't matter age doesn't matter sport they're going to have challenges in those three areas and if you can help guide them to answers to improve in those areas that's going to be massive in terms of your value you're going to bring I think one thing that I really like that you bring up there and you reminded me too when you brought up uh, George St. Pierre is he, he has a quote that I'm sure you're familiar with where he says I keep a white belt mentality that I can learn from anyone 
anywhere, anytime. And I think that applies so much to, to what we talk about and really kind of the thread amongst this conversation. And one of my favorite quotes around that too is uh, from another gentleman who, who does this work in baseball, um, Bernie Holidays with the Pirates, and he's been there for a number of years. And, and one of the things that he's always said that's really resonated for me is having a white belt mentality with a black belt skill set. You know, and I think that's really what we're trying to to sharpen and what we're trying to uh, develop here. So I, I like that a lot. White belt mentality with a black belt skill set. Dig it. Zach, last thing here. I know I want to be respectful of your time here. Um, for our, we already mentioned your social media where people can engage with you. And on Twitter, that's MVP underscore mindset. On LinkedIn, they're going to search Zach, Z-A-C-H, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, and Instagram, MVP underscore mindset. Uh, any, any final kind of parting thoughts where if you could remove the skull cap of everybody listening to this and you could plant a seed inside of their brain and that seed would germinate and, and would take fruition, kind of a parting, parting thought per se, what would be that one seed of success that you would plant inside of the brains of our listeners? I'd be remiss if we didn't at least share one last kin story. Um, and so I feel like that's fitting for both of us. So um, one thing I'll never forget is uh, my very first day at Fullerton. So I was fortunate uh, to be a teaching assistant for kin. And so it was stress management class. And we, we start the class and I'm kind of just sitting in the front row and I'm just, I got my notebook. I'm ready to just be a sponge. And Ken starts just going as we know that he could. And, you know, he's spewing all sorts of things and I'm getting the hand cramp and we're 20 minutes in and I'm, I'm barely keeping track of it all. And he's talking about uh, how, you know, for all the people in the class who are only worried about the grade, please drop the class. I mean, I think he begged them a dozen times in that two plus hour span. But at one point, about half an hour in, he stops and he goes silent and he faces the group and he says, look, life and happiness isn't always seeing the cup as half full or half empty. Sometimes you got to be grateful that you still have a fucking cup. And I apologize if I wasn't supposed to swear. It's all good. I feel like that story doesn't quite do it justice, the alternative. So what I've, what that has really stuck with me. And the reason why I I come back to that, I think is also uh, what has been a, a common theme in 2020 is that our perspective on things are the only thing that can change the outcome without changing the facts. You know, you take somebody like Urban Meyer who talks about this, you know, event plus response equal outcome, right? And how do you create space between the events and things that we experience Uh, For me, that response is our perspective. It's how we choose to view the things around us. And there's a lot of facts right now that, one, we don't have a lot of control over. There's a lot of of uncertainty and ambiguity and challenges that everybody's kind of facing in their own right. But I think really the only thing that's going to now influence what comes of this year and how we develop from it rather than simply just be defined by it is the perspective that we choose to have. So, for me, that was one of the first messages that really rang true for me when I started grad school at Fullerton. And I've kind of carried that now. And, and I guess with a lot of the folks that I've 
I've had conversations with over the last really eight months in particular, perspective has been a very common theme. And, and that one is the one that probably has resonated the most and, and been on my heart. So can you say that one more time? You said our perspective on things and I couldn't type fast enough. Sure. Yeah. Our, our perspective is the only thing in life that can significantly influence the outcome without changing the facts. Our perspective on life is the only thing that can influence the outcome without changing the facts. The fact is we're in a pandemic. The fact is we don't control events. The fact is we control our response to those events. And the fact is that it's going to be our response that influences the outcome. The fact is there's a lot of factors that come in to influence your life, none more than yourself. And I think if there's one message that comes out of this podcast act, it's that people got to take extreme ownership, man, and they have to take responsibility. And that was one, that was Ken's favorite word, man, was response ability, your ability to respond. Right. And he says, and if you look at his, his framework of the R's, which I'm sure you're familiar with, right? The number one thing is your responsibility. You have a response ability. E plus R equals O, I think, extended somehow, some way from Ken in that no matter what the event is, you get to pick your response and that will influence the outcome. Zach, man, that's a fast hour. I appreciate you being with us on the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. We will make sure we get you back. Uh, until then, man, let's get that hometown team D backs. Let's get them going into the world series in 2021, man. I'm counting on you. Love that. Hey, I'm right there with you. That sounds good. Thanks for having me, Brian. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane mental performance podcast on the ironclad content network. If you liked the show, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Kane peak. I'll see you next time.